Hello there, this is Jason Dees, and this is the Think Through It podcast. Think Through It exists to help people think through the big questions of life and culture. On the Think Through It podcast, we'll be talking with friends, cultural influencers, and forward thinkers about the things that all of us need to be thinking about. Today, I'm talking with one of my favorite guys, Lou Priolo. Lou is one of the wisest and most biblically-minded men that I know. He runs the Biblical Counseling Center at Valleydale Church in Birmingham, Alabama, and has a wonderful ministry there. Lou has authored many books, and you can learn more about him and these resources at loupriolo.com. Recently, Lou was actually in Atlanta with us doing a helpful seminar on communication and conflict resolution. I encourage you to check that out on the Christ Covenant podcast. But today, Lou and I are talking about family worship. How as fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, do we think about discipleship in the home? Lou has a lot of advice to give, and I'm grateful that he is joining us today as we think through it. Well, Lou, it's great to have you in Atlanta, Georgia. Lou Priolo is one of my favorite guys. He's come all the way over from the great state of Alabama. How was the drive, Lou? Some traffic on I-20. Well, you know, that, you know, there's a lot of people going back and forth between yeah. the two states. Um, but Lou, of course, was uh, on our staff uh, at Valleydale. He still is there. Everything going well there, man? Yes, real well. Uh, I know you stay busy with the counseling center yeah. uh, there. Uh, you've been training up other counselors, right? Yeah, that's right. How's that going? It's going good. We've got one gal that's certified. We've got two other gals and um, two guys in the loop. So I'm hoping. By Do you have an intern right now? No. Mm-mm. You know, John Goads was at Together for the Gospel last week. I didn't get to see him, but uh, um, man, what a guy. Yeah, what he's a- doing great. We installed him at his church in uh, Overland Park, Kansas, and so he's now directing a counseling center at yeah, his I, church. Yeah, I had heard that. That's very good. Yeah. Well, Lou actually uh, has been a guest on the Think Through It podcast before. Uh, I, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the things we talked about back in the day. Of course, this was Church kind of... discipline was one of them. This was a different Think Through It podcast that we did back in Birmingham. But uh, today I am going to talk to Lou. Uh, we're going to have a conversation as men about men and particularly the role that God has given us as men to disciple our families, uh, to disciple our wives, to disciple our children. I know this is something that... You've thought about a lot, Lou, that you've talked about a lot, that you've written about. But just, first of all, help me out here. Like, is this even uh, my job as a man? Uh, I think a lot of men, uh, maybe in my church, uh, maybe at Valleydale, maybe in a lot of different churches, you know, we kind of have this mentality of, well, you know, I want to be a good Christian. I understand I need to read my Bible occasionally, maybe even lead my uh, family at... uh, family dinner, but really the role of disciple-making for my family. My, my big responsibility there is to make sure that I get my kids and my wife to church. And the professional Christians like you, Lou, uh, and me, I guess, uh, they'll do the main heavy lifting on discipling, or the youth pastor, or the children's pastor, uh, or the women's ministry coordinator. Um, is this really even my job beyond, you know, making sure they're at church and maybe leading my family in a prayer here and there. Yeah, it is your job because God designed 
man to be the initiator and Adam and Eve to be the responder. So shall we do the husband first or the children first? Well, let's just start with I mean, husbands. the fathers first. Yeah, I mean, let's start with let's start with husbands, and then we we'll move to fathers. <clears throat> okay, so the Bible says that uh, we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and then it goes on to say we are to sanctify them with the washing of water by the word or through the word. And so in my book, The Complete Husband, I have a, a whole chapter. It's called uh, Honey, You Need a Bath, and it has to do with the husband's responsibility to use the scriptures with his wife as he is trying to help sanctify her. I mean, the idea is that we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in our wives' life, <coughs> trying to um, wash her in the Word, use the Word in all of our dealings with her, and in the process, the Holy Spirit uses the Word that we're communicating to her and sanctifies her, and we not only get to present her to the Lord um, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but we get to present her to ourselves without spot or with less spot and wrinkle in any such thing. Let's stay on the wives for a little while. Okay, so I, um, you know, I know a lot of guys, and you know, guys don't like to do stuff that they're not very good at. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid. I didn't play basketball at first because my dad had never played and it got to be like fourth or fifth grade and all my friends were going out for basketball and they'd all been playing since like first grade and I remember I didn't go out for basketball. It's one of my great regrets because I never really became a great basketball player because I just thought, ah, I'll be embarrassed. They'll be better than me. And so I think that kind of stays with us as guys. We don't like to do stuff that we don't know how to do. Most of the men in our church, uh, you know, they, they're trained engineers, they're trained doctors, they're uh, they're, tr they're skilled craftsmen or, or, or something like that, but uh, they may not be theologians, and, um, and they're busy, right? I mean, they're really busy. Uh, you know, men are busy. They, they, they have a lot going on. Their jobs are demanding. Uh, they certainly don't have the flexibility in their schedules that sometimes women do to, uh, you know, go to a women's Bible study during the morning or to listen to Christian radio or something like that. So I think men become in their marriages a little intimidated by maybe the spirituality, spiritual growth of their wives. A lot of times women start off uh, in marriage, certainly more spiritually developed. So, so what do you tell that guy, okay? So he's like, okay, if I'm supposed to do what you just said, wash my wife with the water of the word, disciple her, teach her, she's ahead of me already, what, what am I supposed to do? Being a spiritual leader, has very little to do with Bible knowledge and uh, very much to do with the direction you're going, very much to do with your conscience impelling you to do what God has called you to do, which is to be the spiritual leader of your home. I have uh, several friends whose husbands, they're Bible teachers and counselors and things like that. Their husbands will probably never catch up to them in Bible knowledge, but they're... Um, their husbands lead them, they shepherd them. And they're not intimidated because their conscience impels them to do what God says they should do. And to the other point that you made, as Christians, we can learn to do whatever the Bible says we must do. And so if the Bible says we must do this or do that or do whatever else seems impossible as we first read it in God's word, if we're Christians, we can learn to do it. 
God gives us the wisdom to do it. He promises in James to give us wisdom. He promises to give us the ability and even the desire to do it. It is God who works in you, God the Holy Spirit, who makes you willing and able to do his good pleasure. So, you know, you, you look at <clears throat> our responsibility as husbands to be spiritual leaders, to lead our families, to lead our wives spiritually, and you say, this is a daunting task. I'm not up for the job. But God says you have to do it, and if he says you have to do it, little by little, you can learn how to do what God has called you to do. So you just have to have that mindset. It may be difficult, but this is something that God wants me to do. Either I obey God and I do it, and I bless my family, or I disobey God, and my family suffers, and I've got to deal with my unclear conscience. So let's flip over now to the children in terms of being a disciple maker for the children. How, how practically do you start to, to do this? I wrote a whole <clears throat> book called Teach Them Diligently where I unpack this. This book, as I wrote it, changed my life. It really altered my view of what I needed to do in the evening. Um, Bible says we are to teach our children the scriptures diligently. We are to diligently teach the scriptures to our children you know, pretty much everywhere we go. And if I stop and think of all the responsibilities God has given me um, as a counselor, as an author, as a husband, as a father, I can't think of too many responsibilities that are more important in God's eyes than my teaching the children, my children God's word. I mean, I have them for what, 18, 19, 20 years, whatever it is. And in that time, Uh, I'm not going to be able to eradicate all their sin. They're going to still be sinners. And when they leave home, I want them to have God's Word internalized, and I want them to understand the process of progressive sanctification so that when I'm not there 24-7, they will be able to continue to grow and depend upon the Lord, uh, and they won't need Dad to, to talk to them about every little thing in their life. But there is nothing more important for me than to teach my children God's Word. You know, it's interesting. We would never, uh, you know, the, the things that are most special about our kids, like I was thinking, you know, we would never like send our children over to someone else's house on their birthday and say, you know, they're probably better at celebrating birthdays than we are. So why don't you go celebrate your birthday over there? Or, you know, they're probably uh, better at celebrating Christmas than we are. So why don't you leave the house on uh, Christmas and go celebrate Christmas over there? Uh, but the probably the most precious thing that we have with our children, we can share with our children, a relationship with God, the Almighty. Uh, so oftentimes, parents, it seems like they, they don't take that seriously, or they, they kind of pawn that off to the church. And, and as a pastor, and as a guy that thinks about children and family ministry, I mean, we want to equip our folks and help our folks and come alongside our folks and, and be a part of, as the family of God, stirring the hearts and the minds of our children toward a delight in God. But um, primarily, chiefly, that responsibility has not been given to us. The responsibility has been given, especially to fathers. He, he says, these commandments that I give you today shall be on your hearts. And he's talking to moms and dads. So we're supposed to have God's word internalized. And then he says, you shall teach them, them is not the children, by the way, them are the scriptures. You shall teach them diligently to your children when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, pretty much everywhere, 
life takes you, you are to teach your children how the scriptures apply to their lives. And it's not sitting down and catechizing them. I mean, that's not the, the primary, the only way to do it. It's a matter of talking to them about what's going on in their life. It, when we do family time, <clears throat> especially over the years, my girls are pretty grown now, but I would start the, the, uh, the family time not with um, a canned approach to Bible study, but I would start out by asking, okay, before we, we dig in today, are there any issues, any questions, any concerns? You guys have any conflicts with anyone? Or I'll ask my wife, honey, everything going all right with the girls? So basically, we would build, it whenever it was appropriate, it was probably 50 or 60% of the time, we would build our Bible study, our Bible time around the questions and concerns and issues that they were ha- having. And that made for a very um, interesting, uh, attentive kind of a family study. And sometimes it would go on for long times. I mean, I remember one time we were going to sit down and watch a movie <clears throat> after we did family time. And we we're going to do 10 or 12 minutes, you know, of family time. And next thing we knew, an hour and a half was gone, and we had to watch the movie the next night simply because we were talking about things that the kids were concerned about. Yeah. So you're applying, I guess, like Deuteronomy 6 in a way of uh, what they're noticing when they're walking around, right. by the way. Right. We're going to make sure we cover in this kind of formal time. Right. Uh, but you would also apply that text, I'm sure, as to say, you know, as you're walking along to just a yeah. little comment here and there. Right. Uh, you know, you know, hey, Sophia, uh, you know, don't you understand the order of God as we see it in, in this sunset or whatever you're, you're seeing there? Um, right. In the milieu of life. So I was talking specifically about. <clears throat> well, I love I love what you were saying. Yeah, yeah because you're, you're saying. We can just take all of life. This doesn't have to be this strange external seminary right. course of systematic theology. It can be super applicable, just intentional time of teaching them to apply the scripture right. to their lives. Driving, driving to the store uh, while you're playing sports with them. Every time you have the opportunity to show them how to apply God's word to their lives or to appreciate Um, theology proper to appreciate God, as you have opportunity, you should take advantage of those opportunities. When would y'all do this? Just like right after dinner? I mean, what would your... Typically in our home, right, we would have dinner and then we would, um, uh, then we would meet in the, pretty much in the living room. We kind of all chill and very informally start talking. But that's the way it works for our family. Um, Some families like to do it in the morning. Um, Some families like to do it right before the kids go to bed for us it seemed to work best after we ate supper yeah yeah i mean um i think you know we we've actually tooled around with that emory and i'll sometimes talk about things at the breakfast table right before she goes to school she's Mm -hmm. the only one getting up and going to school and i take her probably as the boys get older that's when it'll be for us we try to do it before we go to bed at night, but sometimes that's just really hard yep. because the kids are just rambunctious or tired or whatever. You know, and you don't want to be legalistic about it. I mean, you want to try to do it as often as you can. I, mean, I encourage people to try to do it every night or at least five or six days a week. And at the end of the week, if you get it done three or four times, even two or three times, that's pretty good. So just creating some disciplines in your life. If you were, if you were, so I'm a pretty young parent, right? I got a six, four and two year old. If you were going to advise me, you'd say, hey, Jason, here's the most important disciplines that I could encourage you to take on as a 36-year-old 
dad um, with, you know, I still have 12 years, 14 years, 16 years to go with uh, these, these kids. Well, obviously the most important thing is even though you're a pastor, you have to make sure you're in the Word every day yourself. Right. I mean, that's the, these words shall be on your heart. Um, and then I think you have to sp- take some time out. So to- personal spiritual discipline, personal spiritual biblical intake, mm-hmm. if you will, is the most important discipline that I have as a dad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. as a husband. I mean, yeah. how, how are you going to help your wife grow if you're not growing? That's right, yeah. You know, and the other side of the coin is like, if we can just slip back into the husband role for a second, one of the one of the best things a husband can do for his wife is to uh, not only encourage her to have a quiet time every day, to spend time with the Lord every day, but if necessary, run interference with the children to help help carve some time out of her schedule so that she does have the time to make it a priority to uh, meet with the Lord on a daily basis. That's good. Um, and then while we're on the husband's... Yeah, disciplines uh, for me, yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, another really important thing is to spend time pretty much every day. There are, there are two um, uh, commitments I ask every married person I counsel to make. The first one, of course, is to s- commit to reading the Bible every day. Would you commit to me that for at least as long as I'm counseling you, that you'll spend a minimum of 10 minutes every day in God's Word? And then the second commitment I ask the couples to make, especially the husbands, would you commit to me to carve out 20 minutes a day to give your wife your undivided attention? We call it couch time or FaceTime. You tell the kids, look, this is couch time. Mom and dad are talking. Um, unless you're bleeding you know, or it's a real crisis, please don't bother us. No telephone, no television. You just sit there eyeball to eyeball and give each other your undivided attention. Those two things do more to stabilize rocky marriages than any other single thing. Yeah, my hunch is if people really honor those commitments, your job's pretty easy as a counselor. (laughs) It does. It does simplify things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's how people get into a lot of uh, trouble in the first place. Yeah. In terms of, uh, in terms of uh, actual material, actual resources uh did you did you take your kids through a cat like a proper catechism did you take them through a bible reading plan uh, well, the, the catechism was different um the catechism was uh something that kim and i would do maybe one-on-one with them but that we didn't necessarily count that as our quote-unquote family time although right. i suppose that would be a fine thing to do when the kids were younger we had we had some books that we took them through, and my, my wife is a really good actor and reader, and so you know she would basically read the books to the kids, and I would do the color commentary, you know, make more application than maybe the books did. But when they were little, yes, we started out with, that's what I mentioned before, these little canned approaches. And I don't mean to be um, off-putting by using that term. It, it's, they're very good, very helpful sometimes, but as the, as the girls got older, we wanted to not just use someone else's prepared material, as good as that is, we wanted to make the scriptures as personable, as applicable to their lives as we right. possibly and, could. And at my stage, you know, right. John Kellis at four is not sophisticated right. enough to tell me right. what he's struggling with. Right. Yeah. You know, he's he'll like be like, I want another goldfish. But but again, the the point is this is a this is <laughs> this is a discipline. <laughs> 
Okay. So you just want to train yourself to get in the habit and train your mind to be thinking, you know, what more important things do I have to do every day than teach God's word to my kids, to shepherd my wife? What does it cost me if I don't make this discipline? If I don't, uh, if I don't follow through with making family worship, family disciple making a priority? Well, I think you'll miss out on a lot of blessings. Um, I'm not sure anybody's ever asked me that question before. You run the risk of having foolish children instead of wise children, although you know there's no guarantee. Um, I know parents who do really, really good jobs and their children go through periods of their life where they rebel. But um, I think what you gain from it is a conscience that knows that you are doing what God wants you to do. And um, I think back to my parenting, and I have uh, some regrets, but one thing I don't regret is the amount of time that I spent uh, one-on-one, formally and informally, trying to help my girls understand and apply God's words to their life. And then the last question, let's say I'm a parent and my kids are like 15, 16, uh, and maybe I'm just kind of hearing this and, and I'm realizing I, it, it's hard, you know, at this point, you yeah. know, my kids maybe aren't even believers. They're 16. They're starting to make decisions on their own. Uh, how do, how do, what do I do now? Uh, how do I start this? I mean, what, what, what's my, well, this may not be a one size fit all for everybody, but often when I'm counseling couples like that, I'll encourage them, first of all, to sit their children down and to apologize. Say, you know, guys, we really, mom and I realize that we really dropped the ball on some things. We really haven't made teaching God's word to you as much of a priority. So first of all, we'd like to ask you to forgive us. And, you know, that would also be the time, if you haven't done it yet, to ask forgiveness for other ways you know you failed the kids. And then just explain to them, look, I know there's only a few years left, but could we begin, I'd like to begin um, once or twice a week getting together as a family and opening up God's Word and little by little try to uh, introduce it even at that late date. Yeah, it's better late than, than not at all. That's right. Well, Lou, so grateful for you. You've had a huge ministry impact in my life. Uh, and uh, thank you for this and uh, for encouraging us, particularly as men, to be husbands and fathers that love God's Word and that impress uh, His truth, the beauty of His truth in the hearts of our wives and, uh, and our children. So for Lou Priolo, I'm Jason Dees, encouraging you to think through it.